Hebrews chapter number 10. Most of you know, just a few weeks ago on Wednesdays, we finished our study of the book of Jonah and uh, still trying to find the mind of God. What next? Have a number of ideas, but while we wait on that answer, uh, just random subjects here. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, if you missed last week, last week we were in Colossians 4. And uh, Paul wrote the book of Colossians to a church he had never been at before. It seems that some of the students that learned under Paul when Paul was in Ephesus, Paul sent those students out. Those students started the church in Colossae. And uh, Paul wrote to that church, encouraged them. He commended them for their prayer. He commended them for their thankful heart. But then he asked them to pray for him people he'd never seen before. And what he asked them to pray for him was that he would be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And so last Wednesday, I preached on how to be an effective witness for Christ. We're supposed to do it, but certainly there are some things we can do to be more effective. Uh, look there in Hebrews chapter 10. We'll start with just one verse, verse 24. Again, Hebrews 10, 24, if you'd follow as I read, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let's have a word of prayer. Again, Lord, we thank you for each one that's here. I know that some of our folks are still home, not well. I pray that you'd help them. Others might be traveling, give them safety. And Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight, speak to our hearts, help us to see all that you have packed into this verse and others near it. I pray to help us get a hold of this truth, Lord. It's something that all of us need and that all of us need uh, to be a part of in giving to others. And so I pray direct my words, direct our thoughts, help us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to preach on one word tonight, and that word is encouragement. Pastor, what does the word encouragement mean? It means to give someone hope, and it means to give someone courage. It means to put wind back in someone's sail. It means to give confidence that they'll try again. It means to inspire someone to give support to them. It means to give someone a reason to keep going on. It means to challenge, to reach even further. I think we could agree that uh, there are a lot of folks that are discouraged. And this verse, verse 24, have a look at it again, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. I would suggest to you that in these days before our Lord returns, I think there's a great need for encouragement. And never before have we seen so many people disheartened some who have given up, and it's probably because they're discouraged. They, they, they can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And if that's true, then there's never been a greater need for this word encouragement. So again, if you take notes, my title, one word, and that word is encouragement. Let's look again there at Hebrews 10 and verse 24. Hebrews 10 and verse 24, and let us consider one another. And so the very first thing, if you'd write this down, who are the people that need encouragement? I think the answer is kind of obvious. But from the text, look there at verse number 24, the Bible says, and let us consider one another. So whoever it is, us is a part of it. 
well to understand who the us is back there to verse 19. That's really where the passage began. Having therefore brethren. So the writer here, he's writing to brethren. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to saints. He's writing to believers. Uh, that's who this portion is written to. Uh, look there in verse number 21. Sorry, verse 22, let us. So the us is believers. Let us. Then look there in verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. It's talking about Christian people. So when we get there to verse 24, it says, let us consider one another. Preacher, who are the people who need encouragement? It's Christians. It's believers. Now, I know that you and I, because we're saved, because we know that we're on our way to heaven, no doubt about it, we really have more reason to be encouraged in this world than anybody does. But having said that, this text would tell us that believers need to be encouraged too. So again, the very first question on this subject, who are the people who need encouragement? And the answer is every child of God, every believer and the reason that is, is there is an enemy that we face. That enemy is the devil. And the enemy's goal is to knock us out, to knock us off the track, to get us to give up, to get us to quit. I know that you would uh, be familiar with 1 Peter 5.8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about uh, seeking whom he may devour the devil wants you out. The devil wants you knocked down. He wants you to quit. He wants you discouraged. If he can do it by adverse circumstances, then he'll bring those your way. Uh, if he can do it by attractive sins that you'll fall for, he'll do that if it can knock you out. Uh, if the devil thinks that he can use antagonistic critics that will say things that cut deep, he'll bring those your way to get you to quit if, if the, or the devil thinks that attacks on your character will do it. If the devil thinks that just out and out absolute lies will do it. I'm saying to you that the devil has a very big uh, toolbox that he will use to discourage people. And so even though we're a Christian, and even though our eternity is settled, that in itself doesn't prevent us from being discouraged because there is somebody that's constantly on our heels trying to get us to be discouraged. Now, maybe you're saying to yourself, a preacher, I know that I'm dealing with discouragement, but I thought that me being discouraged, I was just in a minority of people. Folks, we wouldn't take the time for people to give testimonies tonight, but I dare say that you aren't the only one that's discouraged. I would dare say that there are others here that are facing things that they don't know what to do. And the orchestrator of that is the enemy of God and the enemy of good. It's the devil that's trying to discourage you. So you're not alone. Now, keep your hand there in Hebrews. I'd like to show just a few of the greatest of Christians that got discouraged. Look there, if you would, in Numbers chapter 11. 
And so just to set your mind at ease, sometimes they say misery likes company, just to set your mind at ease, if you tonight are discouraged, you're in good company because some of the greatest saints of God came to a place in their life where they were so discouraged that they despaired even of life. Look there in Numbers chapter 11, verse number 14. Numbers chapter 11, verse 14. Uh, Whoever speaking says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand. Help me. Who is saying those words? Moses. Listen, Moses was the one that God used to deliver two million Jews. Moses came to the place where he was so discouraged. For him, it was the burden that he was carrying. He said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this anymore. I just as soon you kill me. Preacher, I'm so discouraged. I thought I was the only one. Moses was there. I, I give you another text. You can let go of numbers. Look there in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, and when you find that, I'll read verse number 4. Again, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 4. And we read in verse number 4, But he himself went to Dave's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. Help me, who is that talking about? That's Elijah. That's the man that called down fire. That's the man that slew hundreds of prophets. And this is just shortly after that great victory. I'm trying to say to you, who is it that needs encouragement? Every believer, every child of God. If you're not there today, God bless you. You could be there tomorrow. You could be there the day after a great victory in your life. Moses was discouraged. Elijah was discouraged. Look there in Job chapter 6. This won't be hard to guess this one. Job chapter number 6. Right before Psalms is Job. And uh, we know that Job certainly went through things that none of us have seen. Uh, Look there in Job chapter 6, and uh, look there in verse number 8. There's Job speaking. (laughs) I've told you who it is. Uh, There's Job speaking. He says in verse 8, Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. That was Job. Why, that was, the Bible says that he was an upright man and one that uh, loved God, eschewed evil. Preacher, I thought I'm doing what's right in my life. I, I thought somebody that's doing right in their life should never get discouraged. Apparently, Job didn't know that. Job said, God, the desire of my heart is that you take my life. This man is pretty low. I give you another one. Look there, if you would, in Psalm 142. Psalm chapter 142. And so, again, we're trying to answer the first question, 
who are the people that need discouragement? And the answer is every child of God, every believer. Again, Psalm 142, look there in verse number 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. That was spoken by David. No, David. David was the beloved psalmist. David was the one that Israel rejoiced. They said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. David was the one that all 12 tribes requested in 2 Samuel 5 that he would be their king. But this is before David ever became a king. This is when Saul was still king, and David was running from Saul. And he said, you know what? I looked on my right hand, I looked on my left hand, nobody cared for me. Pastor, I felt like that. You're not the only one. I give you one more. I look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm just trying to start by giving some examples of God's people who were so low. They thought, I don't have a friend in the world. They thought, I have to handle this all by myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. They thought, there's no reason anymore to live. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And look there in verse number 8, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. That's another way of saying we just gave up on living. That was written by Paul, folks, we have talked about five of the greatest believers through all of Scripture. Every one of those five came to a place where they were so discouraged, they wonder if it, if it would just be better if they die. I'm trying to say to you that uh, we haven't looked at lost people there. We've looked at believing people there. And if you're at the place where you see no reason to go on, and you're not the only one that's ever been there. I give you a second thing. Look back there in Hebrews 10. So first of all, who are the people that need encouragement? And the answer is every child of God. And, and we saw that. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Second question is, what is the problem when you lack encouragement? Every one of those people that we looked at when they were discouraged, there was a common denominator in their lives at that point of their lives. And if you are discouraged in your life right now, this is true about you right now. So what is it? Well, there again in Hebrews 10 and verse 24. The Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The suggestion there is when you try to encourage somebody that's so discouraged, the two things that they have stopped in their discouragement, they have stopped loving others, and they have stopped doing good works 
for others. The question is, what is the problem when you lack encouragement? And the answer, when we get discouraged, we become completely introspective. We look completely at ourselves. We lose sight of everyone else around us. We lose sight of their needs. We lose sight of their desires. We lose sight of what they need in their life. We lose sight of if we just love them, what a difference we could make in their lives. So the second question, what is the problem when you lack encouragement? And the problem when you lack encouragement is you just look at yourself and you just get consumed with me. And your focus is in and your focus is on yourself and your life or my life completely revolves around me and mine and mine. And we stop loving people. And that's why that verse says, let's consider one another to provoke them unto love, because they've stopped loving people and provoke them to good works because they've stopped doing good works for people. The general image of someone who's discouraged is they're sitting in a corner and they're all alone and they have a sad face and there's tears that's welled up in their eyes and they're probably looking into the corner. <laughs> they're no longer looking at other people. They're no longer contemplating, how can I help somebody else? Do you know, for I think it was close to 10 years, I sat under my pastor in Niagara Falls, and how many times did my pastor in Niagara Falls say this? If you're discouraged about what's happening in your life right now, go find somebody else to be a blessing to and so we would say this, if you're discouraged, well, go bake them a cake and take it to them. That's good advice if you know how to bake a cake. Uh, he would say, if you're discouraged, find somebody that is without a friend, go buy them some flowers and take some flowers to put a smile on their face. Now, that's provided you can afford flowers. He was constantly saying, if you are discouraged, you have to do something to get your thoughts off of you. Well, folks, I, or Pastor, I, I went ahead and did that, but that didn't solve my problem. I'm not saying this will solve your problem, but it will take your focus off of your problem. Folks, some of the things that plague us will never go away. Some of the things that, uh, that dog us and nip at our heels will never stop nipping at our heels. But if you don't have to think about them anymore, if you don't have to focus on them anymore. So the first thing that we learn here in our text is who is it that needs encouragement? Every Christian does. Every child of God does. What is it that we lack when we don't have encouragement? What we lack is our focus on the needs of other people. And we become completely introspective. Well, preacher, the reason that I'm so discouraged is because I'm facing some real problems in my life. Everybody is facing some real problems in their life. You can't use that as an excuse not to do what God said we should all do. 
Keep your hand in Hebrews. Look there in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, if I'm coming across hard and harsh, I have to tell myself these same, same things. Preacher, I, I didn't think you had a tough day in the world. Listen, I learned this last Monday that my brother passed away. I found out at 9.15 at night that he had a heart attack in bed. He fell out of bed. My brother had a testimony that he got saved as a teenager, but my brother really didn't grow spiritually since that point. How easy it would have been at that moment to crawl in a corner, and it would have been so easy to do that. I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. And when I get discouraged about some circumstance in my life, I have to remind my people that everybody has difficult circumstances in their life. But if you only focus on yourself, if I only focus on myself, I can't be the blessing that God designed every Christian to be in every other Christian's life. Again, Philippians chapter 2. So you can't use this idea, well, I have such heavy burdens. Everybody has heavy burdens. Look there in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, if you're not careful, you'll read covetousness into that. Pastor, I do that all the time. I look at what someone else has for a car. And I look at what someone else has for a house. And it's not talking about looking on the things of others in a covetous way. It's talking about looking on others with the needs that they have. And trying to come to some conclusion, how can I help them in the needs that they have? Folks, when we get discouraged, all we're thinking is about our needs. Pastor, how do you know that that's what verse 4 is talking about? Because the very next verse, look there at Philippians 2.5. Uh, uh, sorry, um, uh, look at, sorry, verse number 3. He says in verse 3, the verse before, let nothing be done. So he's talking about doing something. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Say, preacher, with what I'm facing, I just want to curl up and die. You're not the only one. And that's the problem when we lack encouragement, is all that we're seeing is the problems that we have. And you know, the truth is, there's probably others that have bigger problems than you. Everybody has problems. Probably others have bigger ones than you. Look back there in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. So first, who are the people who need encouragement? Every child of God. Whoever's sitting beside you, they need it. Whoever's sitting in front of you, they need it. Whoever's sitting behind you, they need it. What happens when we lack encouragement? We just focus on ourselves. Okay, third thing, Hebrews 10, look there in verse 25. Hebrews 10, verse 25, not forsaking of the, sorry, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. Now, I want you to notice that verse 24 is not an isolated verse. After he's just told us that we need to consider one another to provoke others to get back to loving people, 
to provoke others to get back to doing good works for people. There at the end, verse 24, it's not a period. So whatever he just said in verse 24 ties itself into verse 25. So the third question is, uh, where is the best place to get that encouragement? Again, where is the best place to get that encouragement? If we're supposed to encourage one another, if we're supposed to encourage people to, to, instead of just focusing on their needs, if we're supposed to encourage people to love others, if we're supposed to encourage people to do good works for others, where is the place that that can best be done? That's verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So he's saying the very best place that you can get encouraged and the very best place that you can encourage someone else is where God's people are assembling with each other. Now, folks, we quote that verse 25 all the time, or at least us preachers do. That's talking about the importance of a local church. Do you know, we don't just come to church to get. Sure, you ought to get something. You ought to get a challenge from the Word. Sure, you ought to. But, folks, we come to church also to give. We come to church also to help. We come to church also to encourage and there is no better place that you and I can go to get encouraged and to be an encourager than in the house of God. Look again at verse 25. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. So still the same thought. We come together here for so many things but one of them is to look at other people, consider the fact they have needs too. How can I help them in the needs that they have? I'm saying the third question from our text is where is the best place to get that encouragement? What better place could you possibly go than to a local church to meet other Christians? What better place could you possibly go than to a local church to observe other Christians? What better place could you possibly go than to a local church to provoke other Christians to get back to loving and doing good works? Do you know, God set up a local church to be a place of encouragement and a place to be encouraged. Do you know, God knows that the local church is the best place that you get that encouragement. Could I say this? You're not going to get it at Tim Hortons. You're not going to get it at the bowling alley, whoever goes to that anymore. You're not going to get that kind of encouragement at the golf course. You are going to get the encouragement to focus on the needs of others and help others in a local church. And so again, the third question is, uh, third question is what is the best place to get that kind of encouragement? Well, preacher, so-and-so at church offended me. Jesus said, it's impossible but that offenses will come. You can't live life without being offended somehow. But you still need to be in church. Preacher, uh, nobody at church talks to me. Well, who do you talk to? Nobody, because they don't talk to me. 
It's a two-way street. Do you know how many people have convinced themselves, do you know, I think I'd just be better off staying home from church. Folks, we've heard people say that. But to follow that reasoning would be violating verse 25. Look at it again. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So you're violating verse 25 if you convinced yourself I would be better to stay home. Uh, if uh, you say, well, I think I'd be better off watching TV on, sorry, watching TV, watching church on television or internet. Again, you would be violating verse 25. Look at it again, Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner uh, of some is, but exhorting one another. Folks, we call that electronic church. Some folks don't go to a local church. They tune into electronic church. So they sit down in their easy chair and they pull a blanket up to their neck and they have a coffee in their hand and they watch church on some kind of electronic uh, instrument, TV, internet. But you can't exhort one another. That's a two-way street. By doing that with an electronic church, you can't do that. They might be able to exhort you, but that verse 25 says exhorting one another. It's a two-way street. And uh, I'm saying to you again, we're looking at what is the best place to get that kind of encouragement. I know that uh, many of God's people uh, were restricted from assembling in church during COVID. We know that. And so they had to watch church on TV or internet. But uh, who did you encourage? Who did you encourage when you did that? You didn't. It's all one-way street. And so again, I'm saying, uh, where is the greatest place that you can get that encouragement? Uh, before we move on to the last point, preacher, why is attending a local church so key to getting encouraged? Because there is no other place where you will gather with other people where you will be challenged to help somebody else. That's exactly what happens in a church. I want you to know, uh, look there, back up to verse 19, Hebrews 10, verse 19. What happens when we do assemble in the house of God? Well, Hebrews 10, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest. Do you know when you gather with other Christians, you're encouraged to pray and be bold in your prayers? Because as you hear someone else pray, you're challenged to pray better yourself. Look at verse 20. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Folks, as we gather together, we're reminded what Jesus did for us. Our Lord allowed uh, himself to be nailed to the cross of Calvary to pay for our sins. Uh, look there in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. As we gather with other Christians, we are challenged by their faith in God. Uh, that verse uh, 22 talks about the assurance of faith. That verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Your faith is strengthened. Pastor, I'm just so discouraged. Staying home is not the answer. Getting together with other Christians is the answer. And that's what he's saying in these verses here. And uh, he wants to help us. I give you the last thing. I'm done with this. Look again, Hebrews 10, 25. Uh, the very last question is, when can we relax on this priority of encouragement? Pastor, how long do we have to keep doing this? 
While Hebrews 10.25, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is the return of the Lord. And you know how long we're going to continue to have this need of encouragement and this need to encourage. We're going to keep at this until the Lord comes back. Folks, you don't want to run three quarters of a mile and then quit. You don't want to run seven eighths of this Christian life and then quit. You want to be able to go all the way. Let me show you what I think is a very challenging verse. Uh, you can let go of Hebrews, but look there in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter number 18. I'm saying to you last, when can we relax on this priority of encouragement? Not till we're home in heaven. Not till we're home in heaven. Luke chapter 18. Look there, if you would, in verse number 8. Look at the last half of verse number 8. The Bible says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. One day the Lord's coming back. And that's quite a question. When the Lord comes back, how many of his own children will still have a life of faith? Still trusting God still walking with God, in tune with God, in love with the Lord. Do you know that question, if you have a red-letter Bible, anyone here have a red-letter Bible? How many verse 8 is read? There you go. The Lord asked that. So this isn't like Luke is throwing out this question. This isn't like Pastor Carlson is throwing out this question. This is the Lord. And the Lord said, you know, the closer that we get to the return of the Lord, it seems that more and more people, if I can interject, because they have been discouraged in their life, will lose faith. I didn't say lose their salvation. But they'll lose their faith that God is still in charge. Do you know the backstory of that? Bible says there was a judge in a city. He didn't fear God. He didn't fear man. There was a widow in that city that had a need. And she asked that judge and he didn't respond. So she asked again and she asked again and again and again and again. And finally the judge said, I'm going to answer her request because she is wearying me with this continual asking. She was to be commended that she had faith that he to whom she was asking could answer and meet the need that she had. At the end of that parable, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes back, how many of his children will still have faith? And if the circumstances of this life have discouraged you so much that you've lost faith in God, that you've lost faith in people, you need to get back and you need to ask God to give you victory 
over these things that have robbed you of your faith. Do you know that uh, Bible a number of times talked about encourage. I think the greatest example, we won't turn to it, but Barnabas. Anyone know what the name Barnabas means? Son of consolation. Consolation is a long fancy word for comfort. Barnabas's name meant, meant son of consolation. As you follow Barnabas, he's always trying to encourage. First time Barnabas's name shows up, Acts chapter 4, there were many in Jerusalem that had great needs. What does Barnabas do? He goes and sells some land, gives the money to the church. I'm not, we're not going there, but by his example, he was an encouragement to others in the church we can be a help to these that have need. That's Acts chapter number four. Do you know the next time that we come across that name Barnabas, we get to Acts chapter number nine. And uh, in Acts chapter number nine, that Antioch, uh, sorry, in Acts chapter number nine, Saul just got saved. And when Saul got saved, Saul before he got saved was a persecutor of Christians. And so when Saul told people that he just got saved, nobody believed him. In fact, the Jerusalem church was hesitant to let Saul in the front door. Barnabas said, I'm going to get him in. And Barnabas goes and spends some time with Saul. And Barnabas gets Saul into the church. Why? He just wanted to be an encouragement. The next time we come across Barnabas' name is Acts chapter 11. And that church way up north in Antioch, it was beginning to grow. And Barnabas was sent up there to help establish the church. Barnabas realized this task is too big for me. He begins to look around for what Christian he can get to help him. Barnabas could have gone back to Jerusalem to get so many more experienced Christians. But he said, Saul, I'm going to get Saul and get him. You know what? He decided he'd take an inexperienced Christian and include him in the plan. I'm saying there is no greater example of an encourager than Barnabas. We know Acts 13, Barnabas and Saul launched out in that missionary journey. We know in that missionary journey, Barnabas's nephew, John Mark, quit. We know in the second missionary journey, Paul said, let's go visit the churches. Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. Paul said, nothing doing. I've preached on that before. But could I say to you that Barnabas said, I know that John Mark, I know he gave up. But let's not give up on him. Folks, if you're going to be an encourager, and if I'm going to be an encourager, there could be people that have broken your heart. But you can't give up on them. It might be everybody else has you could make the difference in their life. I read this neat little story. I'm done with this, but this neat little story, uh, you might not recognize the name because I didn't, but Edward Staken, he became one of the world's greatest photographers. But he almost quit before he even got started. At the age of 16, he bought a camera. And he took 50 photos. 
And of the 50 photos, they were all of his sister that was sitting in a piano. And of the 50 photos that he took of his sister at a piano, only one turned out. <laughs> one out of 50. I think I might be able to do two out of 50. He, that guy did one. And, and he took the one and showed his dad. And his dad was just crudely honest. He said, that's pathetic. <laughs> that's not much of an encourager. It might have been true, but it's not much of an encourager. And he was so defeated. But he took the picture to his mom. His mom said, son, that's great. And you know, because of her encouraging words, he kept taking pictures. And he became one of the world's greatest photographers. And he attributed it not to an honest father. He attributed it to an encouraging mother. Remember what we said the name Barnabas meant? Son of consolation. If I understand, if Barnabas was the son of consolation, I wonder if his dad was the king of consolation. I wonder if his dad didn't constantly push Barnabas and say, son, you can do it. Don't worry what other people are saying. You can do it. I wonder if Barnabas didn't become a great encourager because he learned it first at home. You have children at home? You have a great opportunity to make them one of the greatest people they could ever be. And it's all with words. Let's not be the reason that our children give up. Let's be the reason they keep going. And in a church setting, there is always somebody whose heart is in their throat, and they're just one step away from throwing it in. If we need to pray, God, who can I encourage tonight? Who can I help tonight?